OVDAB is the Flemish Public Employment Service. We consider the unemployed people, we call them customers, huh? uh, but we also call the employers customers. And we try to find ways to combine and to match customers, unemployed people, with employers. People is always my first slide if I present stuff. People organization. It's not technology, it's not architecture. It's important, but it's people. Every person matters. Whatever the, the legal relationship with that person, the person matters. Leadership is more than the person in front. It is saying we'll take care of the people and doing it. It is saying we'll have a good organization and then making sure it's happening. It is saying I want a high performance organization and it's challenging the people who are not performing. That's leadership. It's doing what you're saying. This is here on ITV. My name is Hendrik Dekkers. I'm here today with Jan Domini, who is the Chief Information Officer at VDA Very warm welcome, Jan. Thank you, Hendrik. Jan, you have a degree in Applied Economics from the University of Antwerp. You uh, started your career in IT at Procter Gamble, and later on you worked for AB InBev, for Atos, for Nuon, for Eni, uh, and you became the CIO at VDA in 2018. Yeah. So where did it all go wrong, Jan? Why did you go into IT? <laughs> Well, basically, it was not the intention immediately to go into IT because I studied applied uh, economics at UCI at the time. Um, but in the last year, I chose the, uh, the IT section of the training. And later on, I actually got the chance to have a doctor's degree in, in economics with a specialization in IT. So the, the love for technology actually uh, started there. Mm -hmm. And then uh, after my military service, <laughs> which was still existing in uh, ninety. I started at Procter & Gamble, which was then really a, a top brand to start with. Yep. Great, uh, great school to learn. And I started in the IT department at the time of PNG Brussels, PNG Benelux. Yep. So, Dr. Dobbeny then? Uh, well, I never finished the doctor degree, to be honest. Okay. Now, I stopped, did my military service and decided not to go into an academic career. So. But then you went to the commercial career at yeah. one of the best schools, Procter yeah. & Gamble, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay. And so... Um, after Procter & Gamble, I'll be in Beth. Tell us yeah. a little bit about yeah. the rest. So I spent 11 years at Procter & Gamble, which mm -hmm. was really significant time. It was more or less the longest period in my career at, uh, at the same employer. And actually, I was in the U.S. with my family on an expat uh, assignment. I was there already three years. And I got a call. That's how things work, right, from, uh, from a headhunter. Mm -hmm. for, uh, for an assignment at, uh, at, uh, at the time, Interbrew. It was still Interbrew at the time. Yeah. And so, you know, started uh, the discussion. It was quite an, uh, an intriguing position. It was a, a big scope also with significant impact on the, on the Benelux region at the time. And I decided to jump and to go, as I say, from uh, the foam, from the soap to the foam of the, beer. <laughs> of the beers. Yeah. So I started at Interbrew. And then it was at the time that uh, Interbrew was doing uh, quite a lot of acquisitions. It became then um, InBev and then AmBev, huh? with the merger with the, Bra with the Brazilian uh, AmBev company, yeah. and became InBev. So I, I kind of witnessed and, and was part of the whole trajectory of, uh, you know, Interbrew becoming really the big, big multinational that it is today. And uh, I was yeah, moving quite rapidly up the chain. I became, um, at the time, it was Senior Vice President uh, Europe for, for yeah. IT and, and business services, then global business services. Mm -hmm. Actually, the predecessor of Maria Bellini, who has been here, uh, I think, uh, uh, some time ago. Some yeah. time ago. Uh, up till, um, let me think, 2005. And then it stopped quite abruptly, but that's life. 
And um, well, then I, I mean, I was in a rather high position, not so easy to immediately find a job on that level. So I started my own company and I became, uh, well, a consultant mm -hmm. uh, for different assignments. And yep. you named already a few. So, so that was the, uh, the InBev uh, part of my career. Okay. And then you went into, uh, I mean, electricity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, electricity and gas. Eh? Yeah. So uh, after a few short time assignments, I, um, I started as a, a interim management in an interim management position at Nuon at the time, was the third uh, supplier uh, on the uh, electricity and gas uh, market in Belgium, after Engie and Luminus, number three was Nuon. Uh, after two years, became the chief operations officer. Uh, then we had a number of acquisitions there. Actually, I uh, was part of three changes in, in control from Nuon to the Swedish group Vattenfall. Then Vattenfall sold its stake to ENI, ENI, the big Italian um, yep. oil and gas company. And then in 2017 to Eneco. And I was part of that, of, of these transactions, of course, each time. Um, so from chief operations officer, I became uh, a country manager of, of the ENI business. Uh -huh. And then after the um, acquisition of Eneco, um, I was appointed chief commercial officer of the new entity mm -hmm. of Eni and Eneco combined, which was then a very large third player in the Belgian market. But then I learned that Eneco itself was again for sale uh, in 2017. And I kind of said, well, this is more than enough of that type of transactions. I mean, it's, uh, uh, it's not that simple. Eh? Uh, it, was, it should have been the, first, the fourth time that kind of my people in the end, because in the end it becomes your people, your organization. You have to again move it, you know, to another organization and go through the sales process and, uh, and the transition, transformation, everything. And after, uh, after a while, it kind of starts weighing. Mm -hmm. So I decided quite abruptly to leave and um, more or less go for a sabbatical. That was the initial plan in 17, kind of look around and do not, not too much as a matter of speaking. But then, you know, things happen, of course. And I... Uh, kind of bumped into Fons Lerwa, who was then the CEO of ADAB, and I said, yeah, you know, this is interesting. Why don't you apply, step into the process? And yep. well, voila, here I am. Okay. Uh, already four years and a half. So from fast-moving consumer goods to uh, beer, to uh, utilities, yeah. and, uh, and now in public service. Yeah. And the year automotive in between too. So oh, yeah. different sectors. Okay, so different sectors, a lot of transitions, uh, yeah. mergers, acquisitions, exactly. and so on. So international local uh, experience. So today at VDAB, yeah. for those of uh, people that are watching this, don't know what VDAB yeah. is in a nutshell, what is yeah. it that VDAB does? Well, VDAB is, um, is the Flemish Public Employment Service. Mm -hmm. yeah. It is quite a large organization. Uh, we have more or less 5,000 people on the payroll. We also have done a lot of external people via contracts who also do uh, yeah. uh, consulting and, and, and instruction to unemployed people and to citizens. So if you add all that up, uh, you reach eight, eight, nine thousand people, okay. directly, indirectly. Um, VDAB is indeed in charge to help, initially to help, you know, or primarily to help people who are unemployed find a, find new, a new job. Yeah. yeah. And so we consider the unemployed people, we call them customers, huh? mm -hmm. uh, but we also call the employers customers. And we try to find ways to combine and to match customers, unemployed people, with uh, employers. Yeah. So that's the core mission of VDAB. Now, since a few years, there is an evolution in that mission. Uh, and it is really 
quite a substantial transformation. It is a big deal, I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, that program is called VIBE. Yep. Yeah? VIBE is, of course, uh, there is a VIBE, but it stands for VDAB, the V, in beweging. That's Flemish, but it basically means VDAB is on the move. Okay. <laughs> That's what it means. Flemish. So there is a VIBE, we have to move. Yeah. But it's important because it means the market is transforming, we have to transform ourselves. Mm -hmm. That is the big challenge. And in a nutshell, and we might elaborate a bit later on, on that, what, what the core mission is. But in a nutshell, what we say is we used to work only with the unemployed people, which is in, in Flanders more or less, give or take, between 170,000 to 200 registered unemployed people. Mm -hmm. That's what we work with. And we try to help these people on a job. We move that from a mission to we're going to work with all the citizens in Flanders. We're going to work with 4 million citizens. And we're going to not only work with these people when, you know, they're unemployed. No, we're going to try to help them understand where they are in their career. What kind of competencies and skills do they have? What is the evolution on the, on the labor market? And how can we help these people to navigate in that labor market? Because the key is, Hendrik, if you're unemployed, it's actually too late. You know, and we are too late. It's like, you know, it's like uh, the airport in Zaventem, it's the radar. You, you come on the radar, ah, okay, we're going to start working with that person, with him or her. But you're actually too late. You need to be proactive with the citizens and say, look, you're in a position, you're in a career, and you might, you know, consider changing, uh, changing options, yep. looking for opportunities. Adding new skills and so uh, There you go. Yep. Yeah. So from 200K to 4 million. So many more clients now. Many more clients uh -huh. working with employers, but far more with employers. And actually, you know, working with employers in the sense of what does it take to hire a person? It's not the white raven. It's not the perfect match. Forget that. That's over and out. That does not exist. You have to find people who are enough matching with your culture, the way, I mean, your skills, etc., and then educate and train them on the job. So bringing that knowledge to employers is really the key. Huh? Um, so these are all, you know, changes that we have to do. A third one is we have to become data-driven. Mm -hmm. We have a vast amount of data, of course, because we are government, but, but also be because we collect and have connections with other sources of data. Yeah. So driving that machinery from a data-driven perspective is really also key of that new VIBE mission. Yeah. Yeah. So those are already components. And to conclude, you can only do that through digitalization. You cannot serve 4 million customers like face-to-face -face no. in your physical locations. We no. have still 80 shops, 80 locations in Flanders. But the 4 million, you need to work digital. And there, we're core. That's a big development. That is new, a big development. New big development. So the traditional systems you have is more matching systems. Is, an, is, a, is a big database of the jobs that are available and a big database of the people that are available. Correct. And then mix, mixing yeah. them uh, so yeah. that you optimize yeah. that. Okay. That those systems exist already quite a while. Now, what we did implement three, four years ago is we introduced uh, artificial intelligence in that system, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we 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 basically scan the market with evolutions of jobs and skills, and we see what's happening, and we try to introduce that in our matching technology, mm -hmm. in order to improve also uh, the matching. Yeah. If, if you're looking for a kind of a new job you, with the old system based on business rules, let's keep it simple, that was business rules. Eh? That was people saying, ah, with these skills, you probably end up with, with those jobs. Yeah. Now, 
the machine learning and technology detects what's happening in the market and adapts actually the matching as we speak. So it's far more to the point, it's accurate, it's, it's future-driven almost. So people with specific needs or specific requests yeah, probably will now find easier jobs than, than, than with the old system, let's say. It, huh? so, so it is based on artificial intelligence machine learning. That Okay. Yeah. So that is the, let's say, the traditional systems optimized with AI machine learning uh, so that you can do better matching of what's available and, 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 who, and what skills are available and what yeah. jobs are available. But now all of a sudden you're going to need to serve 4 million people yeah. and, and give them career advice, skill advice, develop personal, professional yeah. development advice. Yeah. So what does that mean in the way that you're going to work different and what does that mean on, on, on the IT side? Yeah. Well, we, we talk about segmentation, but the ultimate segmentation is the individual. And the segmentation of one. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Full stop. So that's, in, that's the intent where we need to go with our systems. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, and, and that's also the, the, the let's say, the, the vision behind the systems that we build now. Mm -hmm. I'll give you a few examples. So uh, Jobberijk, Jobreach, is a system we've built which is live in production, again, based on machine learning mm -hmm. and artificial intelligence, where uh, people, everybody, every citizen can log in via the website and can upload his or her CV, curriculum vitae or all other data that is relevant. We go from text to, to data. Mm -hmm. uh, we extract the relevant data. We map that with a skills engine. Yeah? And then we basically build a profile, if you want, of that person. And then we start mapping that profile to the available jobs. Mm -hmm. It's all automatic. Yeah. And it's built on AI. And so the next step then is that we say for this person, with those skills and competencies that we have extracted from the data that we have of that person, mm -hmm. that is the job reach. That's what he can reach today in terms of jobs. And that could be in sectors, it could be on levels, it could be, it could be different flavors of what a job encompasses. Yeah? Yeah? And so, so basically what you get is, if I upload my CV, I get a number of jobs. So you can see how attractive that you are as a professional then? Yeah, and the matching in percentage with the jobs. So it's like, okay, when, there, when there's a job CIO, it's probably going to be close to 100%. Yeah. If there is a job like uh, other things, it might be 60, 70, whatever. Mm -hmm. so, so every person sees, okay, these are the jobs that are now in the database, actually. Yeah. And what is the match percentage? How much is the matching with my skills that I uploaded with the requested skills in the job? Uh, and then the next thing is, then you can start playing with that. In the sense, you can say, ah, if I increase my competencies or my skills, in certain areas, and you click on those skills, mm -hmm. you re your reach enlarges. You see your reach, you know, growing. And you see that other jobs are now becoming available for you to, to apply for. Yeah. I learned so, a new language or a new digital or skill. A new or skill whatever. or whatever. I mean, so, and, and that skill set is based on, on a standard of skills. Yeah. yeah. And you basically can start clicking, and depending on what you click, you see how your reach towards the market, the labor market, is increasing. Yeah. And the next phase, which we're now building, which will be live probably end year or next year, is then in order to actually now obtain that level, these are the trainings mm -hmm. that you can follow yeah. so that you get that reach in, in real life. Yeah. So, so, and those are things are all available for everyone. You can today log in, create an account, 
upload your CV and you see what's happening. Well, I'm, I'm unemployable anyway. I don't know. <laughs> it would be an interesting <laughs> test, though. <laughs> but Ali, it's a pretty powerful tool, and it all depends, of course, on the quality of the data. If you have five pages of a CV, you probably have a lot better output than if you have, like, half a page, which is normal. Okay. Is it also, or will it also be future forward-looking yeah. on, on what jobs are used? You match with what is um, demand today, but will you also build in the future demand? Because that's going to change dramatically. Huh? We, uh, in, in the preparation, we talked about uh, truck drivers that yep. may be going to lose their jobs because yep. trucks will drive themselves maybe in the future. Yep. So, yep. so how, how do you... That is the next phase of in? what we try to build is indeed to, to build a, um, a forecasting, a predictive model, yep. basically saying what is the future of certain jobs. And there are studies that you can use. I mean, we all know that IT, healthcare, education jobs will be in high demand in the future. We know that today. So you can actually steer your models and say, you know, these are the type of jobs where the demand will be far, far bigger than, 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 than the offering on the yeah. market. And that, that will be introduced indeed to kind of tell to people, well, your profile looks like you might have a job in healthcare. Why are you not interested in healthcare? Yeah. You're a truck driver. You're 20 years old, I told you. Eh? Maybe in when you're 30 and, or 35 and autonomous driving picks up and, and maybe truck driving is not that hot or not that needed anymore, you could become a healthcare uh, person yeah. because you have an affinity, you have certain skills, you're caring. So, so that, those things are possible. Yeah. But you have to follow those and those and those courses, and then you yeah. can get a job in healthcare. That's the predictive yeah. uh, element. And, and there, the, the potential is is, is enormous. It's enormous uh, because uh, you could also go very granular then and advise what kind of IT skills specifically will be exactly. in demand in two years. Yes, because they're yes. already in demand today in California, so they will be in demand. Too. There you go. That's exactly what we will we will try to do. Is uh, is get that data from different markets and see how things are evolving in other countries, yeah. uh, in other technologies, in sectors, and try to import that in our systems, in that uh, job reach system, to, and also the skills cloud, which is another system that we have, uh, which is actually detecting the skills in demand, which are growing, and the skills which are being reduced mm -hmm. in the demand. Huh? Yeah. We have that. And, and that gives us an idea of, okay, what is going on? Because if you see more demand in certain skills, you know there will be jobs in the future. Yeah. So those are the elements that we import into our uh, AI systems. So very ambitious uh, yes. business goals, uh, and, and, and that means also very ambitious IT uh, demand, I can imagine. And, 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 and so that also means that you have to, your own team needs to, to develop and to change, and you need new skills uh, all the time. So. So, so tell us a little bit about that. Uh, so uh, you are there now, what is it, four, four, five, years, four yeah. years? So how has your team changed over the last uh, four years? Well, message for all CIOs, by the way. Without people, you're screwed. Huh? Yeah. I mean, I can be very you know, passionate here uh, talking about all these tools and everything. But these 25 people in my AI teams, those, make, th those people make the difference. If you don't have the people, I mean, so... Focusing on people is your top priority. Focus on business, but also focus on people. Yeah. Really focus on people. It's attracting, hiring, training, uh, retention. I mean, the whole lot. Uh, and being VDAB, being a public employment services, I mean, it should definitely be the case like that. 
so that's why we uh, introduced, as soon as I was there almost, uh, after a few months, I started with uh, inclusive talent management, we've called it, mm -hmm. as part of our first class strategy. Huh? So ju just, just to be clear and give the context to the people are, are, are looking, you have the vibe strategy, which is VDA Bay White. And underneath, if you want, is the first class strategy, which we introduced in INT. This is the whole mission strategy that we have defined in 18, 19, and that we are deploying, where we want to be with INT. Okay. And so people... INT being IT and digital... INT, yeah. The IT and digital, I mean, the whole lot, yeah. if you want. Yeah. Um, so, and people is always my first slide if I present stuff. Okay. People, organization. It's not technology. It's not architecture. It's important, mm -hmm. but it's people. So... What do we do? We, we have launched, indeed, uh, our inclusive talent management program. And uh, the first message that I always pass on is uh, every person matters. Whatever the legal relationship with that person, yeah. the person matters. If yeah. it's on the payroll, a consultant uh, hired via other systems, he's working, he or she is working for VDAB, he's contributing, and you should try to treat everybody as much as possible in an equal way. Yeah. That because is you have different... Yes. S working systems, you have... Um, the classical payroll, yeah. huh? legal connection, payroll. Uh, public servants, as public servants, call them, indeed. And consultants, freelancers, and, and so many. And Vlaanderen connectors and smalters, which is typical, I mean, uh, typical Flemish-Belgian system. Yeah. But there are different relationships in employment, yeah. also legal. And in the past, I would have been treated completely different. Yes. Based on the, the status that they have as, exactly. as, as exactly. a worker. Exactly, exactly. So if you do trainings, for example, we give trainings to, to the, all the people. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not bec because they're payroll or consultant that the consultants don't get the training. Uh, no, they, they, they get the training. It does not mean that we will train somebody from scratch to Java. That's not what I'm saying. But we train, we coach people for the specifics how we do things in VDAB, regardless what their background is. Yeah. We do that for everybody. That's what we mean with inclusive. Huh? Um, for example, even trying to manage the careers, you, you can't do that directly eh, with external people because of co-employment. But you can talk to your partners who are supplying those people and say, yeah. well, let's talk about that person that you're supplying is on that job. How do you see that person's career evolve? Yeah. And how can we help? How can we find solutions to which any, everybody is benefiting? Hmm? The consultant... So you're also working on the retention of your consultants. Yes. Not only of the people that... Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And the reason is simple, because most of the people in my shop are consultants. I mean, my, I, when I started, it was pretty high. It was maybe a bit abnormal high. And, and we've worked on that to create a better balance. But mm -hmm. still, because, you know, because we do have a lot of consultants, we, we treat them the same way as we do with our payroll people. And can you give us some numbers? How big is IT? And you yeah. say four or five thousand people in VDAB in general, with yeah. people around at eight thousand. Yeah. So how big is IT? For the moment, more or less four hundred and fifty people mm -hmm. in I, in INT, um, of which roughly 75 75 percent are external people, oh, yeah. legally external people, not yeah. on our payroll. Uh, so that is the organization has been growing, yeah, significantly the last years because because of the the challenges that we face. Huh? Mm -hmm. um, but now we're more or less stabilizing around 450. Yeah. So 
What's the results that you see out of yeah. a program like this being treating all the different talent in, in your talent base in, the, in an inclusive in the same way? Yeah. Well, uh, the first result is retention, mm -hmm. uh, which increased, so which, which is very positive. When I started, uh, we had quite a lot of turnover, especially also in the external people. Um, I often said, well, I'm more or less a training company, right? Yeah. I mean, people are turning around too quickly. So you don't have enough, basically, uh, output from those people or, or, or value. Yeah. So retention went down, sorry, went up, huh? so, so quite significantly. And if you calculate that back in money, that is a lot of money. We talk millions. Huh? Because if you hire somebody in a fairly complex world that we have in VDAB with a lot of legacy systems, we have uh, Java systems, we have legacy, we mm -hmm. have new systems, we have components which we have bought, we have AI. We have about 300 applications, so a big shop. So onboarding somebody takes months mm -hmm. before that person becomes productive. Yeah. If that person leaves after one year and a half or two years, your benefit is more or less a, a good year if you're lucky. So, so the return really? is pretty low. Oh, yeah. So pretty you, low. you need people to stay three, four, yes. five, six, seven years yeah. Yeah. So Absolutely. Op to optimize their, their return uh, of the investment that you do in training yes. them. Yeah. So, and there we have the first result. The second result is, is that we see that we, uh, uh, by communicating this message over and over and over again mm -hmm. on the market in sessions like these, winning an award, which we did beginning of the year with inclusive talent management, by talking to our partners, to the big consulting companies, the Kronos, CG, Kazami, you know, I mean, all of the, we have almost all of them in the house. By talking to, to these partners, you start spreading the news. Mm -hmm. People start understanding, hmm, VDAB is a nice place. They treat people well. Work-life balance is okay. They have really sexy projects. Mm -hmm. They work with brand new technology. They know where they want to go. And so the attracting, I feel the last year more or less, the attracting is picking up a bit. It's still hard, eh? Yeah. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. It's mm -hmm. still hard. But we seem to touch the right buttons, you know, to motivate people to, to come and work for VDAB. The fact that we have um, continuity means that also we, we do calculations on um, output per person, per unit, if you want. Mm -hmm. uh, we see that going up. And it is related, of course, because if your skills base grows, continuity grows, uh, the speed of delivery grows. And I'm not talking about agile and all that. I'm just talking about um, people with longer uh, history in the company yeah. with deeper knowledge can produce faster results. Mm -hmm. It's a very simple rule in a way. Eh? Yeah. So the output and the value generation to the business, uh, the unit per, per head, and, and we measure that with the tool, is going up slightly, step by step. Yeah. And how do you measure the output well, of, your, of your people? Because that's not for every job it's that easy. Uh. No, but we, we do that for our Java. We have uh, Java, for our Java development. Mm -hmm. We have about give and take 100, 110 Java developers, wow. pure developers, with then testers and functionalists. I mean, we call that uh, the factory, the software factory is over 200 people. So we see when we code, when we develop it with stories, and we try to do that in an agile way with the whole uh, agile waterfall, I call it. <laughs> you know what that means? I'll explain later otherwise. But agile waterfall, meaning we work very agile in between the waterfall moments of production. Okay turnover to production. Uh, and that is measured. Huh? 
what the output is of the different teams and actually compared. And sometimes uh, Catherine, who is running the factory, is, is kind of demonstrating how things are going and tries to create some competition in between the teams, a oh. funny competition. But we see basically that the output uh, of code, if I put it black and white and mm -hmm. simplistically, is really going up per unit per person. So next to the inclusive talent management and under the umbrella of, of FIPE, what are the other major programs you're working on for the moment? Yeah. So as I, as I said, we have the first class strategy, which is really the big strategy within the INT department. That mm -hmm. is um, our vision, if you want. And there's different elements defined underneath uh, the first class uh, name, if you want. We covered people. Mm -hmm. uh, we have worked pretty hard on architecture, mm -hmm. uh, which is like, yeah, sure, why not? Huh? I mean, it sounds logical, but I can assure you uh, it was not. Huh? Uh, architecture is hard. It says basically that you will start um, working according to a number of principles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, but defining the principles and then making sure they're followed making sure step by step that you work towards that architecture is, is a hard, it's hard labor. It's yeah. very tough. You have to explain it. You have to get everybody around the table and, and aligned. Um, so, so that is, we've worked on that now for also since 2018. Uh, mm -hmm. um, and now we see, you know, the first results of that architectural work. It's event-driven architecture, uh, yeah. components and loosely coupled, I mean, Everybody's doing it more or less, but still, uh, I, would, I would challenge many people that uh, uh, following it, uh, you know, really strictly so that you see the, the progress towards that architecture is, is, is really hard because people dare to divert and, and, and build things as they see fit. Architecture we've worked on, we've worked on quality, uh, the quality of the code, the quality of secure, secure code. Hot topic. Security was uh, a major project on itself. Security and privacy. And finally, data. Data, data, data. I am uh, the corporate sponsor for the business and for IT for the data program. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it, it's the full suite. Eh? It's pretty basic stuff like uh, master data, data catalog, uh, data governance. We're in so data is a little bit out. You have the responsibility as CIO, but yeah. also as, as corporate. Corporate data. data. Yeah, I'm and the that's data a guru. separate function, uh, yeah. function in the organization. It's a separate program, a separate function, if you want, yeah. So yeah. I'm in charge of building the data vision and yeah, making the VDAB a data-driven organization. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and again, it is a number of projects and programs that are underneath, um, very basic ones, uh, but also the ones of artificial intelligence, harvesting yeah. data, doing smart things. Uh, so it's the full, the full scope. But give us a bit more information on that, so because that's super in interesting, of course. And, and besides people and, and, and quality and architecture and, uh, and, and security, data is a super hot topic. So, yes. so what is your, how would you describe your data strategy and how, how do you build that? Well, I mean, how do you, uh, what, what are the goals that you want to achieve there? Yeah. Well, the strategy is, I could uh, summarize it in one sentence, but we want to be in the heart of the market, uh, of the labor market regarding to, you know, the, the crossroads of the data mm -hmm. for the Flemish market. We have today the biggest uh, database of uh, vacancies. We have that already. We have all unemployed people. We have a growing number of citizens who create a login. Mm -hmm. 
So taking that position and saying, look, here is uh, a government institution, a government organization that is harboring you know, all that data uh, and is, is playing a bit the, the crossroads, exchanging data with other parties who can also help the market, the labor market. Mm -hmm. It's not that we want to own and kind of commercially benefit from the data on the contrary. That makes us different versus, for example, commercial parties. We yeah. will share our data with other parties uh, uh, as a platform, if you want, mm -hmm. in order to help the labor market. That is the vision. We want to be in the middle. Yeah. Having said that, it means that we have to build, first of all, you know, all the, the bricks and, and the systems and uh, the, uh, the data platform mm -hmm. upon which different systems can harvest data. REI systems use that, but also other systems, but yeah. also non-VDI-based systems can connect and use that data again to help the labor market. Mm -hmm. So that is the vision. That is where we want to go. Um, and it will take a while huh? um, because we, we have to construct a lot of those components still. And, 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 um, and what's, the, what's the technology platforms that you use there? Oof, um, for the, the data warehouse itself, uh, we have uh, Cloudera. We're not on the cloud, by the way. I will tell you why okay. soon. Interesting part of uh, the discussion. That's an interesting part. Uh, it's privacy reason. Very simple. I can give the answer. We're not allowed to. Very simple. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we, we follow a hybrid structure. We have certain elements on the cloud if it's not strictly personal data. So if it's uh, anonymized mm -hmm. or it is uh, clustered so that you can't get personal data out of that. Then you can put group, it in the cloud. Then we put it on the cloud. So certain of our AI tools run on the Amazon cloud in mm -hmm. this case because there's no real individual Personal data. All the personnel or personal data needs to be on premise, on premise yes. in, the, in your own data center. Yes. Whoa. Yes. It's complicating matters, of course, I a lot. I can imagine. Yes. So that's holding back a little bit. And it's evolution. in the small data center. So small people, like, I mean, in Europe will not know what it means, but it's the small data center. It's a federal data center of the federal IT organization. Yep. Since we're part of the Kruispunten Bank Social Security, we also host all our applications and our data in smalls. Yeah. In, the, in, the, in that data center. Uh, and it will probably stay there because we cannot move that to the cloud because we have... Um, it's a, a kind of government cloud or... Um, well, that, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, you have to ask Frank Robben, yeah, but that is the, the, the government cloud, the G cloud. Um, yeah, we'll see how that evolves. Today we, we take what we call a hybrid, a hybrid uh, architecture. So we, where we can and where we are allowed, we move to the cloud, but that's limited because typically it's personal data. And that we keep on premise, which means that we have significant large teams in order to run all that stuff yeah. uh, and, and, and keep that running. Yeah? So, uh, but we have a classical stack of technology and then we use uh, a number of AI tools. Uh, yeah, we have quite a lot of technology, actually, yeah? which imagine. is one of the things of architecture is to select the right one and stick to it yeah? no. and not have to, uh, to create more and more legacy uh, challenge yeah? Yeah. because we have an architecture board. Uh, we have a governance for that uh, architecture board, which I'm also part of. And there we, my, always my question is, you introduce something, do you also eliminate something? Yeah. Hmm? You introduce a new technology. Okay, I can understand maybe why and eh, convince me. What's the benefit? What's the business case? Yeah. And what will you take away? Yeah. Because otherwise you end up with because vast you, amount of technology. You, you need to measure your application BMI almost. Eh? We had a discussion uh, on one of our international conferences lately. One of the ERP top guys from Unilever 
is that every company should measure their application BMI. How many applications do you have per thousand, five thousand? We're fat. Okay, you're <laughs> fat. We're fat. Maybe it's an excuse, maybe, but we also have a lot of different uh, business processes and different uh, required functionalities. We yeah. do work with employers, we work with partners, we work with citizens, we work with unemployed. Uh, we have uh, Ebo system, we have checks, uh, checks. we have uh, many, many different types of yeah. Yeah, processes required of flavors of managing. Uh, yeah, every new thing that the governments think of, you need to uh, make sure that it's supported yeah. and so on. So yeah. The, yeah. we have a complex way of... Exactly, of, yeah. very complex. Okay. Yeah, so. And also, uh, in, uh, you, you, you cannot install an SAP for an unemployment service. That doesn't exist. It doesn't either, exist. So, yeah. We actually have been looking for that, but... The complexity and the, the variety in the demand and indeed of the cabinet and the government of yep. the flavors of what they want is, is very high. So that's why we are heavily depending on uh, self-development de uh, yeah, yep. in, in Java. But, and so you do this for Flanders. Is there an active collaboration, I don't know, with Holland, with Brussels, with the Walloons, with the Germans, with the French? How, how much... Are you There's an exchange. There is an exchange. Is it active? Uh, not that we exchange, for example, applications or, or whatever. No, that we don't do. But mm -hmm. we do uh, discussions, um, meetings or, or seminars, if you want, where we, yeah. first of all, also business-wise, we always start with the business. Okay, what's yeah. happening in your market? What is the evolution? And how are you addressing those? And what does it mean then in the second stage uh, for, for the INT systems? Yeah. And can we learn from each other? Jan, one of the things that you, uh, that you with VDAB are also uh, involved in are the uh, CRNet tribes. Yes. Where you collaborate with IT teams, your IT team collaborates with other uh, IT teams. Tell us a little bit about that. How does that work and what's the value that you get out of that? Yeah. How does it work? It is uh, the people... Uh, for example, the security people of the different companies are sitting together and are exchanging their reality, in a way, to yep. each other. Mm -hmm. uh, they talk about the projects, about the threats. Uh, I'm talking security now, but it could be architecture, could be different topics that we have in the tribes. Huh? And also for me, actually, the biggest learning is talking with peers. Huh? It's not going to a seminar and going one direction from, uh, from the guy in front and, yep. and listening. Typically boring, rather quickly. <laughs> So it is about exchanging and, and picking up, okay, this guy has a similar problem, let's talk about it, and later on even phoning him or connecting your people with their people and, and, and establishing networks. Yeah. So that is the, the key success element of the tribes. And, and for me, again, always the best learning opportunity is talking with peers, exchanging ideas and experiences and, uh, oh, the, oh, this happened, what a misery, okay, what did you do? I mean, nah. So I think it's... a. Uh, it's a good concept, and I typically tend to go more to those type of uh, uh, events than the, yeah, the more classroom type of things. Okay. So, Jan, if you look at your role today in the company, how would, uh, how would you describe it? What is, where do you spend most of your time? Where is your personal focus today? Yeah. Well, it has been changed, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, in the beginning, you built your organization. You work on establishing a good team around you. That's always... First step to do, by the way, uh, getting the, the right people around you so that you basically get time to work externally out of your organization. And mm -hmm. I think now it's probably 70% externally, 30% internally because yeah. I have a very strong team. Uh, it's a great team, actually. We trust each other. We, we, the machine is running. So I know, okay, I can delegate 
what I call accountability. Mm -hmm. uh, not just complete packages account. This is yours. Deal with it. And, and so my, uh, my time split is probably now is 70% towards business, towards Vlaams overheid, Flemish government. Um, uh, try to understand what's going on, participating at, the, at those debates. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in the board I'm, I'm of Vlaanderen Connect. I'm part of the governing body of the ICT of the Flemish government as a whole. I'm also, also sitting there. So I think it's very important to work outside business and the bigger scope yeah. uh, externally. And that's also where your experience is. I mean, in, you, in your previous jobs, you were commercial manager, general manager, operations, not only IT. So that's... Correct. So yeah. that's, it's, it's, it's yeah. an... Um, and try to... I always say, you know, and I've witnessed the change in the job of the CIO because, you know, I've, I've been around for a while and... Uh, if you use an image, it's uh, the CIO moved from, uh, well, basically it wasn't a CIO at the time, it was an IT manager. No. At the bottom, somewhere in the ship, at the engines. Uh, and now a good CIO is on the bridge and taking the helm, even. Uh, I was moving from CIO, CO to CEO uh, in an energy company. So if you work towards business, you can actually do that. And because digitalization is so important, mm -hmm. Uh, the board of directors might even appoint you to be the CEO yeah. because you might bring other ideas that the, norm, that the CEO doesn't have. Huh? I mean, I see that more and more. Yeah. But still, there's not that many people that make that transition today not from yet. CIO. Not yet. So, so what makes you special? What was, what, what, why were you able to, to take the steps to COO and CEO where, um, where other people can't? Uh, again... It's being outward. It's not, you know, working downward. You, you, you can say, okay, I spent 80% of my time working with my people about technology and about, you know, all those things that's going on. Mm -hmm. I don't do that. No, I don't do that. My people have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's number one. So if you don't make the time yourself, you'll never make it, of course. You have to make time to interact with the business, to help them out, to take maybe parts of the business uh, in your... In your uh, under your wings if you want like I do now for the whole data you could say yeah you're an IT guy so you yep. take the data but it's really the broad scope of data it's yep. not just the IT element of the data in, in VDAB it is really the, the complete data program yep. and it's all about creating that position that I described a few minutes ago like VDAB wants, in the, wants to be in the middle of the labor market regarding data as the data platform there's a business discussion IT is, I mean, technology follows yep. Of course, it has to follow. And there you need to have good people. Let's talk about your management team. Eh? The, yeah. the, 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 the people that, because that's what you say is crucial. So building the, crucial. A, a very successful management team. What is the management style that you want your team to use to, uh, to, to manage the company? Well, uh, well, I try to kind of uh, coach them a bit in the sense that I think I work towards them. And what I try to kind of cascade down a bit. Huh? I always say there's a moment of discussion, interaction about topics, about the strategy, about technology, whatever, uh, where you really have to go deep, huh? have to the debate with the people around the table, and then there's a time of deciding and execution. Yeah? And those are two important phases, and, and they should not, <laughs> they should not uh, intertwine, because then you're in trouble. Once you decide it... Well, yeah, and you deliver what you're supposed to deliver, what you decide to deliver, and then you check. Uh, basically, it's do check. Uh, I mean, it's a simple cycle, but it's often so violated. People are mixing all those things 
and, and, and never get a good result. It's better to have a good discussion, decide swiftly, and then execute, and then do an assessment. Again, have a discussion, adapt. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I try to instill into my people. You know, uh, let's, let's. So my leadership style is not like command and control. For sure not. No, that's not what I'm saying. But you have to have a good discussion. And you feel, you know, in the end, you feel when there is time to make a decision and then to execute. Yeah. Make it so, as they say then. Yeah. Get it done. Hmm? So that's how you manage. But how you lead is a different thing. Because... Uh, a manager, a leader is somebody that people want to follow, right? So how do you, how do you look at your own leadership and who are the, the examples that you can learn from? I, that, that's a tough question, examples. Uh, I think every, there are different styles of leadership. Huh? Mm -hmm. And, I, and I, you know, I try to combine elements of what I see sometimes. Uh, I had different managers and uh, when you really talk about leadership, this is about... Um, painting the picture towards the future. That is step one. Hmm? Uh, this is what we've done with the first class strategy. And I say we, because, okay, I initiate it, and I say, okay, we, 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 we want to create a vision where we want to be in four years, yeah. and we talk about maturity levels. This is how we think about it, mm -hmm. maturity levels. First class, and then is, is going outward and painting the picture and getting enthusiasm around it. That's leadership. Uh, am I a very, uh, you know... Uh, Good speaker, I don't know, maybe I am, but it's like you try to get people on board. And it's the full set. It's not because it's me that, I mean, leadership is more than the person in front. It is about what you do in all the elements of, in my case, of the first class strategy. Mm -hmm. It is saying we'll take care of the people and doing it. Yeah. It is saying we'll have a good organization with some good principles on how we want to work and then making sure it's happening, you know. It is saying, I want a high-performing organization, and it's challenging the people who are not performing. So that's leadership. It's doing what you're saying and, yeah. and taking every day as an opportunity because you asked me my mantra. I think that is the key. Huh? Mm -hmm. it's, uh, you have to learn from the past, but don't look too much to the past. No. You know? Look at the future. Look at opportunities. Every day is a new opportunity. That's basically uh, my, my textbook. And, and try to move forward with, towards your vision with your team, with yeah. your team. Huh? Jan, I know you're a, a big fan of uh, Jean-Luc Picard <laughs> from Star yes. Trek. Well, wh 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 why is that? Well, um, well, first of all, I mean, uh, you could call me a Trekkie in a way. I'm not a fanatic Trekkie, but, uh, but I do uh, like, uh, for sure, the, the Star Trek of uh, when I was a bit younger. You know, mm -hmm. uh, the new ones, I'm not going to talk too much about the new versions of today. I mean, the new series. But uh, Jean-Luc Picard was uh, the captain of the Starship Enterprise and the new generation. And uh, I think he was pretty aspiring as a manager or as a leader because, uh, uh, and, and I once read an article about it, the leadership style of, of, of the Starship captain. And uh, he does a bit what I just described. He's, uh, of course, it's, it's cinema, I know, eh? but he sits in his conference room and he's collecting information and they're talking and scenarios, positions, opinions. That is the collaboration. That's yep. what I talked about earlier. And then at a certain stage, he says, okay, uh, this is what we concluded. This is what, and it's basically repeating what others are saying and what the majority was saying or was leading towards. Mm -hmm. And he's iterating it, clarifying it, making it in a structural position. And then he says, make it so, okay. which is a great statement. <laughs> make it so. 
And then these people go and they do it. And that's also the delegation of accountability and not of no. tasks. He says, make it. he says not, can you do this and this and this and this and that? No, he says, make it so. You're, you're, you're in charge, my friend. Go for it. Okay. And I think it was, I think that's amazing. And of course, it's, uh, I mean, it's, so. it's, it's, uh, okay. it's fiction, but... So um, Jan Picard, Jean-Luc uh, Daubigny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't get there. <laughs> yeah. But I use that statement, actually, on YouTube, there is a... There is a compilation of, I think, 120 times when he says, make it so, make it make, so, make ah, it. Okay. And I'll once show that to my leadership team and actually... It sticks. It sticks. Okay. Now, what is that that really drives you in the end? Because, I mean, you worked for P&G and Bev and uh, utility companies where probably you were paid uh, a bit more than, than you're paid today. So why are you doing this job? Yeah, for what sure not for the money. Yeah. No, that, that's a fact. For sure not for the money. Let's say that throughout my career, that has changed. Huh? Uh, in the beginning of the career, it was making career and making money. Pfft, let's not be, you know. Not, let's not beat around the bush. Let's not beat around the bush. I mean, that's how you are for sure as a youngster. And I think it has changed somewhere around my 40s, early 40s, where uh, you start, you know, becoming a bit gray and you start understanding uh, some of the dynamics of how companies work and how nice they can be, but also how brutal they can be. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and you have to adapt to that. And um, after, and that's for an example, uh, after three acquisitions in the energy sector, mm -hmm. then enduring a fourth one was like, this is enough, this is enough. This is, I'm not going to do that anymore. So I just pulled the plug because I had no job. Huh? I just pulled the plug. And the reason was that I really wanted to do something different and um, away from, from that logic of EBIT and P&Ls and everything mm -hmm. and creating value for people in the need. Hmm? Because that's what we do at VDAB. Yeah. People are in need of a job. And you try to create tools, value in, in a way, so that you help these people. And it's very rewarding. It's tough. Huh? It's very tough, by the way. It's not that it's an easy job. Mm -hmm. Let's forget that. Huh? It's not that uh, public servants have easy jobs on the no. contrary, I would even say. And they're underpaid. In general, they're underpaid. Mm. Um, but having a contribution and impact on a society, which I have today, is, is rewarding. And that works for you at the end of the week? You say, I had a, I had a contribution to the better of, of our... Well, I look back at my four years now. Um, I had a significant contribution, yes. Mm -hmm. um, within VDAB, but also, uh, also broader. And, and with the organization that we have built with my team and with all the people there and with the tools that we have built and the impact and the projects we do, we have a significant impact on, on improving mm -hmm. the life of a lot of people. My second, the second point is also, you know, collaborating with the leaders in the Flemish government, mm -hmm. trying to have an influence on the IT agenda of the, of the Flemish government is, is rewarding. And, and there's a lot to do there, oh, an enormous on. amount of work. Being part of that at the site, but at the site still, but oh. that's okay. It's, it's rewarding. In your career, you have built quite some successful uh, tracks, right? In, in the different industries and, and, and where you're uh, today. Um, and we already talked about uh, some of your ingredients for success being uh, one of them is, is the people and, and creating strong teams and so on, so that you can focus on more on business when you're in a CIO role and, and, and so on. So, but, but we all make our mistakes. 
we all have our failures uh, because that's how we that's how we grow that's how we learn so would you care sharing with us maybe one of your most brilliant failures and 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 and, and what you learned from that well, without calling names of course but uh, uh, a brilliant failure is uh, uh, during my time at Indian Energy Company mm-hmm. I'm gonna call the project out but it was a pretty big project but um, launching something uh, with, with lots of money and lots of uh, effort that actually didn't really make it and uh, I think now is uh, completely dead hmm? by now actually a few years already so um, yeah that was a mistake of course at the time it was uh, yeah you think it's a good idea and you go for it um, and I wonder why 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 was it a mistake and I think um, one of the key things however that I learned is uh, if you're not going wholeheartedly with it mm-hmm. and with the uh, proper funding and the proper ever, I mean, support and everything around it, uh, you better don't start. Okay. Yeah? And I'm not talking about uh, the experimental phase and trying things out, etc., etc. This is really about the phase of the launching. Uh, if, if you're trying to launch something to follow competition... Not mm, a good idea. Maybe not a good idea. Mm-hmm because you probably are too late, you probably don't have the means. Um, so c- reconsider. Huh? And, and it is all about, uh, that's why I'm so now focusing on that, is the word focus. Huh? Do what you're good in. Mm-hmm. Try to expand on, on things that, um, that are, okay, uh, part of what you could call the innovation cycle. Experiment, deploy. Huh? I always say, try a lot, but fail cheap. <laughs> try a lot, experiment a lot, but fail yeah. cheap. But when you really decide to go, go full blown. Don't, I mean, don't do it half baked because you will fail. Uh, well, that's okay. what I personally learned from it. Um, Let's talk a little bit more about your uh, your personality. Let's go one step deeper in this leadership deep dive. And and you shared with us your MBTI profile. Yes. And you are an ESTJ. Yeah. ESTJ, also known as an executive, and that's somebody with extroverted, observant, thinking and judging personality traits. And these are are people that possess great fortitude, empathically following their own sensible judgment, and they often serve as stabilizing force among others, able to offer solid direction amid adversity. That I didn't know all that that (laughs) last stuff, but okay, yeah. I'm going to... Um, name a couple of typical strengths, personality strengths with people with your profile. And then you, you tell me where you recognize yourself or don't recognize yourself. So an, an executive, an ESTJ, is typically somebody who's dedicated, mm. strong-willed. Yeah, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Direct and honest. Mm, correct. Uh, loyal, patient, reliable. Yeah. Okay. You enjoy creating order. Yes. <laughs> you do? Yes, I do. Okay. My wife would even agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> and my people for sure, yeah. yeah. And, and, and you're an excellent organizer. Tell us about these last things. I mean, Well, order, I, I would call it a vision and structure, huh? because um, it's funny, I, I see many um, leaders make mistakes in there because they, they get absorbed by the uh, operational things and everything, and they, they, get, they, they sink in the water, if you want, I mean. And I often coach leaders to say, you have to work on your structure. You can call it order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you have 
You have individual contributors, you have team managers, and then you have organization managers, simplistically. If you're running an organization of 50, 60, 100 people, yeah. you really have to work on structure, order, not like, um, not the word hierarchy, but really understanding who is doing what, organizing the shop if you want, yeah. um, delegating accountability, as I call that. Because otherwise, um, you end up into trouble, huh? and I call it the uh, the arithmetic of leadership. Huh? Uh, I'll tell you, or the mathematic of mm -hmm. leadership. It's a simple thing. A uh, long time ago, a, a boss, uh, a good boss, actually told me that. I said, "Yeah, I'll tell you something. Just imagine you have seven people. Yeah, you're you're one, and you have seven direct reports. So, mm -hmm. you, and they have all a capacity, let's say, of ten. You have a capacity of eighty. Uh -huh. yeah? Okay. So, if you are not creating enough structure." clear accountability and, and your machine is not running, you might work at 12, yeah? You do two plus, huh? you, but that person will do seven, that person will contribute eight, that may be 10, the other one five, etc. So the combination is less than 80. Yeah? So you have to spend time to make sure that all these people are delivering 10, and then yeah. you do that yeah, with, with structure, with clear roles, with accountability, with, you know, just making sure it is an oiled machine. And I see so many times that people make a mistake. And how do you see that? You just look to the agendas of these people. Mm -hmm. They're cluttered. Yeah, they're like one after the other meetings. And they're in meetings like, huh? why is he there? Or why is she there? No, they, his or her people should be there. He should not be there. So look at the agenda, very nice. We have open agendas in VDAB, so I, I kind of can do that and see, <laughs> whoa, here I, I predict the problem. Oh, yeah, you can see that in somebody's agenda. Yeah, we have an open uh, policy of open agendas, so they're all public. Everybody can see if you really want to hide something, you have to put it in private, <laughs> <laughs> which you can do. So micromanagement, in a way, it's called. Eh? That's, that's mm -hmm. what, I, what people call micromanagement. What I just described is, is, yeah. is what I call creating structure. Structure creates peace. Comfort, relax. Everybody has strengths, but everybody has also weaknesses, yeah. development areas. So, Jan, sometimes you, or sometimes people with your personality, let's call it like that, can be inflexible and stubborn. Mm. They can be uncomfortable with unconventional situations, can be sometimes judgmental, yes. too focused on social status, mm. maybe in the past, more than, than today, I don't know, difficult to relax and difficult maybe sometimes to express emotions. Hmm. Where do you recognize yourself? Well, that, I mean, there are for sure uh, flavors of what I recognize, mm -hmm. maybe in different stages of my career. Okay. Uh, stubbornness, inflexibility, probably, you know, early in my career, yes, I've learned to... Uh, and how did you overcome that? Because you cannot be stubborn and, and make a career, right? When you're too stubborn, uh, you might get yourself really in trouble. Mm -hmm. uh, without going into details, but that might have happened early in my career where I was too eager, too stubborn, I wanted to move too fast, and people said, oh, take your time. You're, you're, it becomes counterproductive in the end. Huh? Yeah. Uh, and the younger you are, the more risky you run into that uh, because you want to move forward and, it, and, and you're impatient. You're a bit stubborn. Why do we need another discussion on this? Uh, we already have done five. Uh, so now I have a different approach. You have a good, solid discussion. It can take a while, and then you make a decision you want. So yes, of course, I recognize some of those things. What, what else did you, because I've- Expressing, expressing emotions, is that sometimes, of something that you had to learn? In a work environment, I'm probably not, still not so good in that. Mm -hmm. 
I try to stay cool with things. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I, in the past, I, I, I have meetings where I really uh, exploded almost, eh? and really got into conflict that these things happened. Uh, that's uh, that's totally. So finished. there were no it's emotions or <laughs> full emotions. Yeah, in a way, yeah. But uh, in meetings, I can become very passionate, and passionate yeah. can, if you're too passionate, you become, yeah, stubborn and yeah. unmanageable, maybe. But not anymore. Yeah. Believe me. Because otherwise you don't reach the sea level. Yeah. Clear. So many good things that happened to you in your life. Yeah. In your personal life, did you have some major drawbacks, some some bad things that happened to you that, that have formed you in a way that you have learned from? I think I'm fortunate in a way. Um, of course, uh, things are happening which are not pleasant. Uh, in the work environment, okay, there was there was a, a stage in my life which was uh, uh, at the time at uh, Inbev when I was fired just like that on one day without. That's painful. That was painful. Yeah. I was forty, I think, um, and that was a painful exercise because I didn't see it coming. You were a top performer. You're in the part. I mean, you're in the whatever top two hundred of the company. And then all of a and sudden. And then on a Good Friday at four o'clock, I'll never forget it. I was. Uh, with my boss and he said, yeah, yeah, you can go over and out. Okay, afterwards, at the moment, uh, more or less a, a small mini crash, of course, because you don't understand why. Huh? Uh, but there is no reason actually why. It's just a restructuring. And you happen to end up on a list. Had nothing to do with... So and there I really learned, Hendrik, that um, you're not married with the company. Mm -hmm. You should not get yourself too emotionally connected to a company because it can backfire on you. Yeah. Uh, and there I actually took that decision almost a few weeks later by, uh, you know, reflecting on what just happened to me and say, okay, this will never happen to me again because it hurts too much. Yeah. This is painful. And uh, you get afterwards, you know, it is the story what they say, you become stronger and actually you do. The week afterwards was hell. I mean, like, <laughs> fuck, what is happening? I mean, this is terrible. What just happened to me? Why? You ask the reason why, but there is no why. But it takes time. It takes time to... To find out. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that everybody has an important gift. Something, a characteristic, uh, something that you're really good at. Where the, the one thing that you excel at. If you look at yourself from the outside, Jan, what is, what is your unique gift in life? I think working with people is something that I probably do pretty well. Yeah. And why do I say that? People do follow me for some mm -hmm. reason. Uh, my director of operations was my previous CIO. Uh, the guy who's running uh, the Intel team, the data, the data platform, is, is is a guy who worked with Any. So I have like five, six, seven people of Any that that uh, follow you. That followed me. Whoa, uh, they probably don't do it because of me, but but something, yeah. I mean, something that I try to you reach can with create my personality. An environment where people can. Is it a gift? I don't know, but but yeah. it's something that that I succeed into and and. I mean, recently, one of my direct reports, actually recently this week, he said to me, it's the first time that I like my job so much. I like my team and I like my boss. Okay, then, then I'm, okay, that, that's a gift for me also. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, good. That makes me happy. Um, and that's why we do it for, eh? I mean, yeah. okay. so that might be a gift, Hendrik. Uh, I think so. It sounds like it. If it sounds like it, then it's probably... Uh... If people tell it to you, huh? right? Last question on. What is the advice you would give to people that just come out of school 
and I watch this interview and I say, I want to be the future CIO of a, of, of a big government organization or of Procter & Gamble or whatever. How, what do they need to do to become successful? Well, uh, lifelong learning. Mm -hmm. Lifelong learning, even more important than when we started because technology is, uh, is moving forward exponentially. Yeah? It's, it's going so fast that it will be a huge challenge for everybody to have lifelong learning technology. But again, technology is one element for sure in the beginning of the career, but then after a while, you need to uh, make sure you, you hone the skills, you build the skills which are needed to, to work on the sea level. And I think we, we talked about them, but it's, that's what I would tell to the, to the juniors who are starting their career. Okay. Super, Jan, and with that, I thank you so much for uh, coming over, having this great discussion. So it was a pleasure. Thanks, Hendrik. Thank you, Jan.